Hey, welcome back. Uh, the last thing I'm going to do uh, is from reprogressions.org. Uh, Support them in any way you can. Uh, find, uh, donate whatever you can. Uh, and you'll, you'll see at the end of this, I put together like a little meme of sorts, uh, pretty much saying what um, the name of the programs are on YouTube and here. But I do a couple of previews as well, but whatever for now. Uh, this is, let me just get down here, by a Harvey J.K. and by Alan Minsky. Uh, call for all progressive candidates and office holders to embrace a 21st century economic bill of rights. This was put up uh, June 25th, so uh, almost a month ago. Uh, economic justice, environmental and ecological justice, health and well-being section of the progressives. Uh, we must uh, we must guarantee all people re residing in the United States the right to the essentials of a good life, regardless of their income, race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or country origin. In his 1944 State of the Union address, President Franklin Roosevelt articulated popular American hero, or hopes, excuse me, and aspirations by calling for a second Bill of Rights, uh, an economic Bill of Rights for all Americans. Polls conducted by the White House in 1943 have revealed that often, uh, sorry, after the war, Americans uh, wanted a guaranteed uh, health care, guaranteed employment, and guaranteed aid to students. And it was after, by the way. Uh, don't know if I made that clear. Anyway, the increasing concentration of wealth, the widening inequalities, and the intensifying crisis of American democ democratic life demands that we advance this call now. Empowering by uh, empowered, excuse me, by those findings. Uh, FDR declared, we have come to a clear realization of the fact that true individual freedom cannot exist without economic security and independence. Necess wait, necessitous men are not free men. We have accepted, so uh, we have accepted, so to speak, a second Bill of Rights under which the uh, new basic of uh, security, uh, basis of security and prosperity can be established for all, regardless of sta uh, station, race, or creed. All of which is true today as it was 78 years ago. Therefore, we are proposing a 21st century economic bill of rights a bill of rights where all uh, we all call on all progressive candidates and and office holders to embrace a 21st century economic policy, a bill of rights will guarantee all people residing in the United States the right to the essentials of a good life, regardless of their income, race, religion, gender, sexual orientations, uh, sexual orientation, or country of origin. A 21st century economic bill of rights would establish that all Americans are entitled to one, the right to use, right to useful job that, right to a useful job that pays a living wage and to voice, uh, into a voice in the workplace through a union and collective bargaining. Two, the right to comprehensive quality health care. 
Three, the right to complete to a complete cost-free public education and access to broadband internet. Four, the right to decent, safe, and decent, excuse me, decent of safe, affordable housing. Five, the right to clean to a clean environment and secure planet. Six, the right to a meaningful endowment of resources at birth and a secure retirement. Seven, the right to sound banking and financial services. Eight, the right to recre recreation and recreation and participation in public life. This roster of rights represents our draft for a 21st century economic bill of rights. As we go forward, there are only uh, there are other proposals we might uh, consider, and from what we have already drawn elements. In the 1960s, labor and civil rights leader A. Philip Randolph proposed a freedom budget inspired by FDR's four freedoms, freedom of speech and worship, freedom from want and fear. In 1968, Martin Luther King called for an economic bill of rights. In 2018, economist Mark Paul, William Doherty, and Derek Hamilton laid out a nine democratic, wait, Derek Hamilton laid out a nine-item, wait, yeah, nine-item, twenty-first century Bill of Rights. In twenty twenty, Bernie Sanders issued a six-point economic Bill of Rights as part of his campaign for Democratic presidential nomination. Most recently, Wisconsin State Assemblywoman Christine Shelton and Francesca Hong have proposed a Wisconsin Economic Bill of Rights. We have debated, we can debate the nuances of those proposals later. The increased concentration of wealth, the winding inequalities, and the intensifying uh, crisis of American democratic life demands that we uh, advance this call now. And I guess this is the, uh, the embracing the 21st century economic bill of rights with, uh, will draw a sharp distinction between progressive Democrats and central uh, centrist Democrats, as well as Republicans. Only progressive Democrats truly stand for the type of economic and society which the overwhelming majority of Americans uh, yearn to uh, uh, secure. So let's hear a little bit from the display. Let's see. To all Americans? Of course you do. So let's think about what that means. On January 11, 1944, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, FDR, delivered his 11th State of the Union message to Congress. The United States was in the middle of its biggest and most consequential war, pitted against Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. But Roosevelt didn't just talk about winning the war, he also spoke of what Americans needed to do to win the peace to come. In a speech to Congress that day, he called for a new Bill of Rights, an economic Bill of Rights. In the 1930s, Roosevelt and the American people had fought the Great Depression, the worst economic and social catastrophe in US history. Rallying to the President's New Deal, they not only had revived the economy, they had also subjected business and finance to public supervision and regulation empowered the federal government to address the needs of working people, mobilized and organized labor unions and civil rights groups, established a social security system, 
expanded and upgraded the nation's public infrastructure, improved the environment, and cultivated and promoted the arts. In 1941, however, Americans confronted a new crisis, the Second World War. But here too, they went all out. In fact, they not only did all they could to fight fascism overseas, but also fought for democracy at home by dramatically expanding the labor and civil rights movements. And by early 1944, there was good cause to believe both that victory might soon be at hand and that further progressive action was possible. At the outset of the State of the Union speech, Roosevelt urged Americans to sustain the war effort, but he also now looked ahead, confident that Americans who had achieved so much wanted to not only revive the New Deal, but in every way expand upon it. Opinion polls conducted in 1943 indicated, for example, that 83% of Americans wanted a guarantee of health care for all. 73% supported launching new public works programs and 79% wanted a federal jobs guarantee. Though he was too sick to appear in person before Congress to deliver the speech, Roosevelt went on radio and delivered a spirited address. And after reviewing the continuing war effort, he turned to the question of the post-war peace effort in the United States. This republic, he said, had its beginning and grew to its present strength under the protection of certain inalienable rights. They were our rights to life and liberty. As our nation has grown in size and stature, however, as our industrial economy expanded, these political rights proved inadequate to assure us equality in the pursuit of happiness. The words that followed are among the most radical in presidential history. We have come, FDR contended, to a clear realization of the fact that true individual freedom cannot exist without economic security and independence. Necessitous men are not free men. What he then proposed would be seen as far left today, though as he reminded his fellow Americans, it was not a repudiation of the promises enshrined in the Declaration and the Bill of Rights, but a continuation and realization of them. Indeed, only with economic rights could political rights be made real. As Roosevelt said, In our day, certain economic truths have become accepted as self-evident. A second Bill of Rights, under which a new basis of security and prosperity can be established for all, regardless of station or race or creed. The rights Roosevelt was proposing, a right to a home, to health care, to earn enough money to live comfortably, a guaranteed job, would be called socialism or even communism by today's conservatives. But whatever they might be labeled, they were rooted, as FDR made clear, in America's promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Empowered by the aspirations of those who had fought the Depression and were now fighting fascism, Roosevelt was projecting a path to a better, brighter, happier, and healthier future. All of these rights, he said, spell security. And after this war is won, we must be prepared to move forward in the implementation of these rights to new goals of human happiness and well-being. But FDR knew all too well that there were those who would fiercely oppose them, as they always had. And he warned his fellow citizens against what he called the grave dangers of rightist reaction. What Roosevelt laid out in his State of the Union was something simple, 
but radical. It was that history wasn't something to be left in the past, but to be constantly renewed and remade. New times demand new freedoms. Just a few years earlier, his Solicitor General, Robert H. Jackson, a future Supreme Court Justice, told the members of the National Lawyers Guild, we too are founders. We too are makers of a nation. We too are called upon to write, to defend, and to make live new bills of right. At a demonstration in New York City, 1.4 million people showed up to hear Senator Robert Wagner enthusiastically defend the call for a second Bill of Rights. Labor and civil rights groups actively campaigned for it. And in the presidential election later that year, Roosevelt won a fourth term as president with a resounding 432 electoral votes. Roosevelt would not live to achieve his dream. At his fourth and final inauguration in 1945, he appeared sick and frail. While he was getting his portrait painted just a few months later in Warm Springs, Georgia, he put his hand over his forehead, slumped over, and died. The second Bill of Rights was never realized. The forces of rightist reaction that FDR had warned of were too powerful. Corporate executives and conservatives soon took to fomenting Cold War fears and purging public life of leftists, not only to block the hope for revival and expansion of the New Deal, but also to crush the very idea and memory of Roosevelt's proposed economic Bill of Rights. That doesn't mean, of course, that his vision has to remain shrouded and forgotten. What FDR promised, though still radical, remains deeply possible if we have the will to recover it and to advance it. We, too, can be founders. We, too, can be makers of a nation. We, too, are called upon to write, to defend, to make live new bills of rights. I'm Harvey Kay, Professor Emeritus of Democracy and Justice at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, for the Gravel Institute. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, with that said, and uh, talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace out for now.